Hello, I'm Jack DeRose, CEO and founder of Colony. And I'm Aaron Fisher, recovering mathematician and co-author of the Colony White Paper. Hello, I'm Commodore, working on product at Colony and obsessed with DAO governance. And this is Collectively Intelligent, the podcast in which we hope that if we talk to smart people for long enough, we might eventually say something intelligent. My name is Frog Monkey. I am a uh, pseudonymous writer. I've been working at Bankless DAO since the DAO was created on May 4th. I basically, a week after the DAO was created, I quit my job and just jumped down the rabbit hole. I've been actively involved in crypto since 2017. When I saw this opportunity, uh, I was just really excited and have since then devoted all of my time towards governance and operations primarily at Bankless DAO. What, what attracts you to operations and governance. I feel like they're obviously the podcast is focused on that. So I, I think a lot of us listening and, and myself have that same feeling, but I always curious what attracts you to that space of it. Yeah, it's definitely not the most glamorous of positions, but I think it's one of the most, it, it definitely has a lot of high value. I almost see my role as helping other people accomplish their goals. And so in that sense, uh, I almost see the work that I do as a multiplier. And so making sure that the sort of operational procedures are in place uh, to help people go from idea to action in the quickest way possible, and the governance frameworks are in place for decisions that require varying degrees of consensus are probably the, the two most efficient ways that I can spend my time helping other people execute on, on their ideas. It just naturally, I think, in the sort of stratification of like DeFi, NFTs and, and DAOs, I just have always been attracted towards coordination as a central problem. Yeah, I, I resonate with you on the, the leverage of it, not only from an individual's ability to participate and add value to the DAO, but I also just think it's a very high leverage function that we hand wave of here's the vision, here's a bunch of people wanna go do that, like go do that. And there's a lot more that has to go into not only just trying things, but just even articulating shared mental models, definitions of things, and just figuring out conflict resolution. And so I'm with you 100% on why that's such a high leverage position. So totally agree. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, not the most glamorous, but I think that's where, as of right now, given the sort of prototypical stage of DAOs, that's where... Uh, a lot of the important work is being done, which isn't to say that the creative side isn't important, uh, but we do need to figure out this governance coordination um, problem first before we can really push the tires or, or press up the gas pedal for any of the more creative endeavors that DAOs are, are undertaking. Yeah. And so part of the reason we connected about having this conversation was exploring that, exploring seasons, exploring bankless. And I'd love for you to explain from your perspective, what Bankless DAO really is, because from my perspective, and I think probably from a lot of our listeners or you know people who follow on Twitter, we know Bankless from the podcast and we, under, we understand that as the vehicle and we understand the spirit perhaps of what Bankless is going after. But this idea of being a DAO and what you guys are pursuing and why you're, you're formed, I think would be just helpful context of hearing it from someone on the inside. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure most of the audience knows, but just said there are a few that don't. Basically, Bankless LC is a media company, their podcast, newsletter, YouTube channel. And on May 4th, they 
created a uh, DAO that would basically steward the bankless vision for, for which they would be an integral part of that, but they would not be the sole owners of the bankless brand. And we started with a very much more clear understanding of what our prerogative and our initiative was. And so one of the first things that we did as a DAO in the first month was define our mission, vision, values. And so I'm just, I'm just going to read off of what's on our, our Wikipedia page right now, but Bankless DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization that acts as a steward of the bankless movement, progressing the world towards a future of greater freedom. Our mission is to help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. And our vision is to live in a world where anyone with an internet connection has access to the financial tools needed to achieve financial independence. And so you can basically think of Bankless DAO as, again, the steward that has taken on the mission Ryan, David, and the rest of the LLC team has cultivated over the past year and really just pressing the gas pedal on that and working on initiatives that align with um, the type of brand and goal that uh, Bankless HQ set out to begin with. And, and I've noticed you've used the word LLC, you just use the word Bankless HQ. How does the sort of centralized aspect of the organization interface with the, the DAO component? Is it something that is, hey, we're centralized at our founding, this is the beginning of the decentralized process, or does it sort of like collaboration or you know co-creation with the LLC and the decentralized organization? Yeah, so that's a great question. Frankly, the LLC and LLC HQ are, are the same thing. They're really not heavily involved in the sort of day-to-day -day operations in the DAO. I think they help at a sort of macro level, but Ryan and David are very cognizant of the type of influence that they have in the community and actively made the decision to step away from being part of the governance process so that we can figure things out on our own. And perhaps at a point when we do have more structure in place, more momentum, I, I expect them to see, or I expect them to get involved in a much more defined way. And that defined way is as a media. So what I mean by that is Bankless DAO is, is a media DAO, right? That is our bread and butter. Newsletters, podcast, education, and we are spinning up basically these media nodes that align with our mission and vision and are using them as ways to sort of propel the message of Bankless, right? So we have our own newsletter, we're spinning up our own podcast, we're working with external media organizations, and they become part of this extended media universe that we're building. And so the LLC right now, they're also just a, a media node. Granted, they're the largest media node, and they definitely have the most influence, but within the confines of this framework that we're building this media DAO as this, this distributed network of all these other media organizations, the LLC just is a media node. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's very powerful to think of it that way because it doesn't give them a lot of power. They are really not centralized at all. In, when you say they, do you mean the LLC is not centralized or that Bankless DAO is not centralized because Bankless, the you know LLC, is a media node? The latter. Right. Yeah, which I think that's a really, it's a, 
I've been really obsessed with this idea of like sub DAOs and just thinking about the fractal opportunity of DAOs. And I'm probably getting a little recursive in my in my thinking here and getting a little bit down the rabbit hole of just throwing the same tools that I have in my, my disposal at the same problems and perhaps not thinking about it in a next level element. But what I resonate with your guys thinking about creating it as a media node is this ability to at least facilitate the opportunity for something that is fractal to say, okay, you have this behemoth, but if you think about that behemoth as being part of a broader system, as just simply a node in a graph, it gives you a lot of flexibility and creativity to do things. And now that node, as your point, your point well taken is that it may have a lot of gravity, but that isn't necessarily, you know, Jupiter has a ton of gravity in our solar system, but there's still each planet and each orbit, if we were manufacturing that still has different elements that create incredibly different aspects. And I think that's a really powerful kind of governance philosophy to give you some freedom. So how have you seen that play out now that you guys have implemented this node style approach of the media DAO? So we're still in the process of building out the media node program that we're calling it. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about like macro DAO organization, because basically you're talking about like sub DAOs and fractalizing coordination across sort of these smaller entities. The media node program definitely does, intends to do that on this media side. So going back to our mission, it's uh, to spread the bankless culture through uh, education media, or sorry, the, the bankless message through education, media, and culture. And so the media node pro uh, program is definitely a big part of the media segment of it. But if you want to talk more about just how we sort of operate in a very decentralized, fractalized manner, I, I think we can go down that route. Yeah, I think what I was trying to get at with that statement is you have a bankless LLC, which by definition is a centralized entity that has some form of ownership distribution in, in shares. And then when I hear bankless DAO and then think about how the DAO operates and the bankless LLC is operating as a media node, I think the kind of narrative or the kind of thesis I'm trying to drive at a little bit is there's this element, uh, and I have to presume, unless the LLC has either committed to decentralizing you know, relatively rapidly or already has decentralized, that you know, from a legal perspective, at least, the that media node in its own isolated bubble is a centralized organization. And then, however, it's part of a broader ecosystem of a decentralized organization. And so that was a little bit of my comment of thinking about this fractal element or sub DAOs yeah. is thinking about how you can have a centralized DAO or even a centralized classic traditional company perhaps operate as a node within a broader DAO and that how I feel like that is such a, it's such a powerful dynamic that allows you to start, stop coming into the space. I think about everything as being decentralized. Everything needs to be, you know, you're drinking the Kool-Aid all the way in every situation. Everything should be a DAO in, in all cases. And you're basically pushing that vision. But what I, but I love what I'm starting to see some of these experimentations is starting to say, well, maybe we have an element of centralization within this pocket. And perhaps this overall meta thing's decentralized, but maybe this process over here is permission-based, right? And us just really thinking about the different Lego pieces that we have in governance 
and starting to build really cool things and not just being like, we all, we only need the black and white squares are the only Lego pieces we ever use. <laughs> We're starting to be really creative with it. And I think that's the piece that I was hoping to, to dig around. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I think this sort of decentralized maximization is dangerous because eventually you need some degree of coordination to really get things done. And you can build these sort of small subunits, working groups, whatever you want to call them, that are fairly centralized around people that are operating um, that particular function. But if you integrate that into a larger coordination framework, that embeds decentralization and consensus-driven decision-making, that's how you get real momentum in action. And I think the perfect example of that is the way that we operate our seasons and within those seasons, how individual guilds operate as well. So just for some context, Bangladesh operates on a seasonal basis. Right now, we have about a month left in season season one. It's September 2nd. Season two starts October 1st. You can think of seasons as basically time-bound, objective-driven, and budgeted periods of intense, concentrated focus, where we prioritize a few key objectives. We allocate budget towards driving to those objectives. And then at the end of the season, we reevaluate and move on to um, the next set of objectives. So basically a lot like quarters in a, a traditional organization, but quarters are boring and they're more around like business objectives, whereas seasonal objectives don't necessarily have to be. And so that's why we went with the name seasons. Now within those seasons, we have different avenues of funding. And I think that's what's really interesting here because the more ways that you can unlock capital, the more diversity of decisions that you can make. Because if you only have one way to unlock capital, then you need to follow these very rigid structures in order to be approved for such. So for example, a lot of DAOs purely operate with uh, a grants committee where all the decisions need to go through this, excuse me, need to go through this single grants process. And I think that leaves a lot of opportunity on the table. And so what we've done is create three different avenues of funding, all of which operate as these Lego pieces that you were talking about earlier, right? They, they are these sort of sub, uh, they're not actual DAOs, but they're like sub working groups that create a larger whole. And so we have, we do have a grants committee, but we also have seasonal project funding and guild funding. And so guilds are basically talent pools. We have a design guild, we have a writer's guild, we have an AV guild, we have a legal guild, we have a developer's guild, you, you name it, biz dev, you name it, we have it. And each of those guilds, like I said, are just pools of specific skill sets that can be tapped into and leveraged to help support this next key building block in the DAO, which are projects. And projects are things that sort of move the bankless mission forward. So a project can be, we want to start a new newsletter, or we want to build an education product, or we want to create a, a new index coop financial product. And so these projects, they require funding. So at the 
at the beginning, the pre-seasons, right? At the end of each season going to the next season, those projects will request funding. They'll be approved on Snapshot and they'll have a very detailed specification saying, this is the team, this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna get there, these are the resources that we need. And these are all the guilds that have committed to providing these resources. And then for projects that are not as clearly defined going into the next season, those can apply for grant funding during the season. And if they were to prove to be successful, then going into the next season, they can apply for sort of project level funding. And so to summarize here, what I'm saying is like each season, right? Time bound, objective-based, budgeted is meant to unlock funds for particular purposes. One avenue of funding is for projects that have very key objectives or very specific objectives. They are meant to accomplish things that are in line with the bankless mission. They are staffed, they're scoped, and they have measurable outcomes. The next avenue are guilds, which primarily spend funding for coordination. So within each guild, we have guild coordinators, we have people to help onboard new members. Some guilds have guild-specific stuff. So we have like our design guild has a head of design that's meant to make sure that our brand is aligned across all of our initiatives. So they'll pay for people in particular roles. They'll pay for uh, any expenses, right? Software expenses that that guild may incur. And there are a couple other sort of line items that guilds will request funding for as well. And then finally, the final avenue of, of funding are grants, which basically are meant to fund guilds that spin up during the season, projects that spin up during a season, or anything else that doesn't get captured on this sort of seasonal basis. Interesting. One question I want to ask about is... You mentioned some of the guilds are committing to facilitate and help with particular projects or resourcing in some capacity. Have you guys experienced any, I'm going to say challenges, I don't know the right word exactly, but sort of short shortcomings of a guild makes a commitment that they don't quite live up to, whether that's either skill, time, output, whatever it may be. Have you guys experienced anything of this? Yeah. Like All how do you guys handle the delta between the commitment and the lack of succeeding to the commitment? So when guilds started, there, there really was no formalized coordination mechanism. Nowadays, our guilds governance frameworks on how decisions are made. If you have a question about governance, who to go to. If you have a question about sort of day-to-day operations in the guild, who to go to. If you have a question about how to get started with the guild, who to go to, so on and so forth. And so we have roles now that are meant to help facilitate some of this coordination. But when we started, none of that existed. And it was really just a free-for-all. If you wanted help from a guild, you would basically go into Discord channel, tag the entire guild and say, hey, I need help with this. More often than not, right? Like everyone in the guild is busy. We have way more things to do than we have the people to. That's just uh, sort of standard across the crypto ecosystem. Um, right. And so as those failures came up, it became obvious that we need to, within these guilds, create some type of coordination framework so that it became easier to um, find the right people that can help you on a particular topic and also hold accountability. So that when you say that we're like marketing guild is going to help you with this marketing campaign or writers guild is gonna write a headline piece in our newsletter as part of a marketing campaign, who has committed to that 
and who is accountable. And right now we don't have like sort of reputation mechanisms in, in place. I think we'll definitely get there at some point, but the cost of not following through on that is really a layer zero cost that you incur. It's a social cost. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this. We do staking for so many different things and we don't do commitment staking. And I think commitment staking is an interesting idea to allow people to really signal how committed they are to getting that thing done. And in, in crypto fashion, being allowed to, to do that in a staked back way is a mechanism I've been thinking a lot about implementing in, in uh, a DAO that I've co-founded called Crosshouse DAO. And just thinking about how can you use the idea of staking to do something like commitment. And I think you're right. Reputation is probably the other loop that is uh, the other path that you could do some form of commitment staking by essentially, yeah, in colony, we call that smiting. But yeah, it's those are probably the two paths. And I'm just personally super curious how each DAO solves that one. Yeah, the answer to that for us is it's really just at the social level. Does that make us not really a DAO? Probably, experiment <laughs> together. And I think, yeah, go ahead. My general philosophy for bringing things on chain is experiment at the social level and see what works first before you make that commitment to go on chain. Because mm -hmm. once you make that commitment, it's really difficult to walk that back. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with that. And then I think that the some of the most sophisticated scaled DAOs, as you start to really understand how they operate, you realize there's a lot of centralized elements. There's a lot of old school elements in there because of the, those are the things that are working. And I think to your point, broadly, we have to step back as a Web3 community and really figure out you know, what's the battles that we're fighting? Which ones, which of those battles lead us to achievements that are permanent or at least pseudo permanent over the next 20 to 50 years? And which one of those help us win a war in, in not meant to be too mil military here, but just like, how do we like, how do we win the right battles to win the war is the analogy that I'm trying to uh, drift off of here is I think that we need to pick and choose our battles. And I think you're totally right that there's elements that every single DAO is not doing in a very DAO fashion, but that's totally okay. Because I think as long as we are pushing the envelope in the key areas that give us the most leverage to bring this broadest vision that we're trying to achieve, I think we're winning at the macro level. And that's the part, at least that's my, my two cents on, on every DAO and how they're figuring those challenges out. Yeah. And to circle back to the beginning of this conversation, those biggest leverage battles that we need to fight are those around governance. Totally agree. So I know you guys aren't done with season one yet. You're obviously a healthy amount of the way into it. Are there some stuff that's bubbling up in your mind for some governance related changes that might be happening in season two, season two that you'd be able to preview for us? Or is it still a little bit too early to tell? Yeah, there's definitely some stuff in the works. When we started season one, everything I was talking about with the different avenues of funding, we actually didn't practice what we preached. And in season one, everything went through the grants committee just because we were still in this prototypical stage for what guilds and what projects are. And so one foreseeable yet exciting thing for season two is guilds and projects are now submitting for snapshot approval that will get funded directly from the treasury as opposed to the way that we did it in season one where we allocate a certain amount for projects and guilds and just sent that through the grants committee, which is just seven members. And so it's cool to see this hypothesis of different avenues of funding getting realized going to season. I'd say another big change coming into season two is going to be right now, the treasury multi-sig 
has a bunch of signers that were chosen by Ryan and David and the rest of the LLC members and who knows who else, because that was a, a centralized decision. Um, going to season two, we're basically going to ho ho hold an election process where we will elect DAO member to be the, the multi-sig signers. And there'll definitely be some overlap. Like I, I fully expect Lucas from the LLC to be uh, a signer. Frankly, I don't know if Ryan or David even want to be a signer. It, it's definitely possible that they may not. And so that's this other big decision that we're going to move control of the treasury from the people that were chosen by the LLC into the hands of the DAO. And then finally, the sort of other big governance change, we are trying to add more transparency to what the grants committee is doing. The grants committee has historically in the past rejected proposals that have been controversial. And so we're setting up new workflows where really the grants committee is only meant to be a sanity check, where decisions that get made there are already discussed quite heavily by the community beforehand. So what I mean by that, basically proposals have been submitted directly in, in season one, proposals were submitted directly to the grants committee and, and they had say over whether or not those proposals got accepted or rejected. Now going to season two, those same proposals have to go through a method consensus voting within the DAO before even going to the grants committee. And so by the time it gets to the grants committee, it's they, the grants committee already has a view of the sentiment from within the DAO, because there's been these discussions and votes and polls about that proposal. And so there'll be a lot of scrutiny on the grants committee, should they choose to reject something. But the reason that stopgap is still there is just, again, it's just a sanity check, right? If something has like legal implications that haven't been considered, if there's a budget ask that is just way out of proportion, that's the sanity check. But for the most part, <clears throat> this the, the decision that the grants committee will make will be heavily influenced by what the community support already is, which right now doesn't happen that much. Yeah. I resonate with what you're talking about of making sure things don't go off the rails. And I think it's Yearn, I'm quite certain it's Yearn has this governance 2.0 framework. And I believe the role that they have, I think it's so they have the Y teams idea, but I think it's called like Y guards or something like that. And I always picture the British, with the, the big hats protecting the, you know, the palace and whatnot, but it's a, this sort of a team that is, I believe democratically elected and they serve as this their last layer of defense to make sure chaos isn't happening at, I believe, at the multi-sig level, perhaps at the grant level. But uh, it's interesting to hear them actually call it like guards and then think about them to be deployed on those last line of defense processes and flows that we have within our DAOs to make sure that things don't go crazy. It's cool to hear all the different parallels across the DAOs. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. I resonated quite a bit with when I read that you're an improvement proposal. And like you said, I think it is cool that a lot of DAOs are naturally starting or organically starting to adopt the same type of, it just, I think it just means that we're headed in the right direction and really can't wait for when sort of product tooling gets to that mature phase where we can take all these decisions on chain. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining the podcast. If you can remind people where to either find you or, or what you're working on. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash frogmonkey. That's F-R-O-G-M-O-N-K-E-E. -E. And as always, if you want to get involved with anything in the Bankless DAO, come join our Discord and uh, just tag me. I'll, I'll get you plugged in to wherever you want to be. Great. Thanks again. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Collectively Intelligent Podcast. We'd greatly appreciate a review in your favorite podcast player. And if you want to stay in the loop even further, follow us on Twitter at Join Colony. Thanks again.